episode number four of The Dofall. You are listening to the Catholic podcast, The Dofall. What's it like to be a Catholic dad with four daughters under the age of 14 and a theology instructor at a seminary and high school? Well, Hubert Sanders Jr. will answer that question and any others you may have about the Catholic faith. This show is named after his favorite line prayed by the priest in the liturgy. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall. Together, let us be immersed in the spirit of God as we reflect on our daily journeys with the Lord. Let's get into today's episode right now. You and I have made it back for the fourth installment of the Dufall. I just want to take time to thank you uh, for taking the time to pop me in your earbuds, to download me through iTunes. We're also available now in Stitcher. And make sure you spread the word. If you're getting something out of this Dufall, let your neighbor know that the Father might be glorified in all of our actions. Let's get started with our Q&A segment. We've got a question coming out of Clarkston, Michigan, by a young man by the name of Dylan Raleigh. His email. Mr. Sanders, what's your opinion about September 23rd, 2017? Well... Dylan, that's a very great question. It's been a question that I've consistently been asked over the past month, and I've put off answering it. I've given certain hints about my answer, but I wanted to do a podcast about the answer. And life happens, and guess what time it is right now? September 24th. So I guess the question has been answered. (laughs) Will the end of the world be upon us? Will the rapture occur? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm still sitting here in my kitchen and um, still looking and praying for God's grace as I've always done. September 23rd was a day where a certain constellations were to come in arrangement in the skies. And these constellations were a kind of depiction of Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 describes a woman in labor, being clothed with the sun and the moon at her feet, crowned with 12 stars. And this woman is to give birth to a male child who would rule the nations with an iron rod. And the constellation of Virgo was supposed to be the woman. And within Virgo, at this particular time in history, you had the appearance of the sun and the moon. 
And you also had the 12 stars arranging around uh, Virgo's head. Those 12 stars being made up of the constellation of Leo, nine stars from that constellation, and then three other planets, which makes up the 12 stars. And the theory had some holes in it when you looked at it just from a scientific point of view. First of all, this unique arrangement has happened before. September 1827, September 1483, September 1293, and September 1056. And that's just going back a thousand years. So what happened on the 23rd has happened before. And that's from a scientific point of view. There was nothing really unique about what was going to happen as far as constellations are concerned. Now, from a theological point of view, when you look at Revelation chapter 12, specifically the literal and spiritual senses of the passage, the literal sense is always what did the human author intend? And Revelation chapter 12 comes right after John the Apostle sees the Ark of the Covenant in his heavenly vision. This entire book is John's heavenly vision. Basically, John is on the Lord's day and he sees heavenly worship and it's being described in apocalyptic terms. In other words, hyperbolic, exaggerated images or metaphors. So there's no doubt that the human author intended that woman to be the fulfillment of the Ark of the Old Covenant, which was the center of Jewish life. Now, we know that the spiritual sense always builds on the literal. And the spiritual sense seems to me would be greatly exaggerated if you tried to take um, the, the 12 stars at the woman's head and relate them directly to stars in the sky 2,000 years ago. But there's always been an attempt to move the biblical text into a context where it's not meant to say what it's being interpreted as saying. And this is known as eisegesis as opposed to exegesis. We always want to dig into what did the human author intend and then build from that. Now, when we build from that, when we get into the spiritual sense, we always have to keep into mind a spiritual principle known as the canonical context, which means we never take a particular passage out of the context of the rest of the Bible. And when you look at the, what the rest of the Bible says in connection with the end of the world, Jesus Christ said himself that no one knows the hour. So the minute I started hearing about a date being associated with the end of the world or the quote unquote rapture, and I just want to just a, a side note, the, the rapture is not the end of the world. It's not the second coming. And actually, the rapture is not in accord with what Jesus has taught for 2000 years. Um, if you have a further question on that, make sure you email me at asksanders at hubertsanders.com and we can have a separate question on the rapture. 
But when we take all of these into context, we know that we don't know when the end is coming, but yet we do know that it is coming. We say it in the creed every week. The second coming of Jesus Christ consists of Christ coming again to judge the living and the dead. And we have to live our lives expecting this coming. Now, I know some of us heard about this date and we started getting kind of worried or scared. I felt that as different people asked me about um, this particular date. And when it comes to the second coming of Jesus as Christians, we should not have anything to fear. We should actually be looking forward to this event. Because this is the time when everything will be put right. We have been created to be a partaker of the divine nature, as it says in 2 Peter 1.4. And that will only come to fruition through the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we are to be waiting patiently and expecting his return. Now, his return uh, is imminent. The Catechism of the Catholic Church informs us. But even though it's imminent, it could be delayed, uh, which means what? Well, technically, according to the New Testament, we've been in the last days for the last 2000 years. And there are certain signs, quote unquote, that have to happen before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And one of them uh, in particular, as stated in Romans, is that there will be a a full inclusion of the Jewish nation as believers in Christ. And that has not happened. So that was one of the things that I kept thinking about when this date kept arriving or kept being discussed September 23rd, 2017. You know, when we keep in mind that tradition which has been passed down, And keep it in union with the sacred scripture as protected by the Holy Spirit led magisterium. You and I won't be tossed here and there from every wind of doctrine. We can be firmly rooted in the truth of Jesus Christ and we can live our lives in him. The song segment uh, is one of my favorite parts of the show. The title of the song today is I Will Look to You, performed and written by a Catholic artist, Michael Poirier. If you're interested in his work, if you like his work, if you want a, a way to build up um, the mission of the church through the media, make sure you check out his website www.prayerbreaks.org His ministry is awesome. He is truly anointed. He's a family man. And make sure you leave a review or simply just encourage him to keep on keeping on. Save me, Lord. I'll give my life Save me from myself I am looking to you 
for protection and peace. Keep me, Lord, close by your side. Keep me from all fear. I am looking to you for courage and strength. we're not looking for him there's no point in looking at anything now we're going to get right into our next segment and normally i give a little reflection here but today i want to take you to the classroom sometimes i get a chance to record what's going on in my high school classroom and there was a section that i I want to play for you we got a chance to discuss joseph 
and his role in the Holy Family. And it was very fitting uh, for me as well as for my students. So let's take a listen. I don't know about you, but this time through the reading of Matthew chapters 1 and 2, I was taken back by the role of Joseph. I mean, Joseph is shown as a righteous man. He's being shown as a leader of his family. He's leading Mary. He's leading Jesus. Joseph, I've always somehow had Joseph kind of distant and standing in the background kind of quiet. But Matthew does not depict Joseph like that at all. Joseph hears from God three times. First of all, it's okay to receive Mary as your wife. The child is of the Holy Spirit. Number two, get the child and, the, and, and your wife out of here. Herod's coming. And then once they get out of there, he's attentive to God on when to come back. Think about it. They've got to uproot. Why? Because Daddy heard from God. We got to go. I've learned so much by watching the role and activity of Joseph. He is the spiritual leader of his family. And he's able to lead not because he has a strategic plan. He's able to lead not because he's clever and crafty. He's able to lead... <laughs> he's a, listen, he's able to lead not because he's the quote-unquote picture-perfect man of mans and physically strong. He's able to lead because he's being led. Exactly. He's able to lead because he's being led. He has a relationship. He expects to hear from God, and not only does he expect to hear from God, he moves on it. He acts like it. He believes it. He's obedient to when he hears God's voice. This is what a man does, guys. A man is a spiritual leader. Many of you will be called to either marry and have children of your own or be a priest and have spiritual children of your own or um, join a re religious life or remain single and still father younger men and women. As men, you can't get around being a spiritual leader. It's in your DNA, so to speak. Guys, statistics show that when a father in the household practices his faith, he doesn't have to be a perfect man, but if he's in the household and practices his faith, majority of the time, the children in that household will grow up with a firm foundation and be believers also. It's the faithfulness of the father that makes or breaks whether or not the faith will be passed down. This is the role of the man. He's called to be not like, he, he's not better than a woman. A woman is not better than a man. They're equal, but they have different roles. And Joseph shows us what being the head of the household is all about. And that is listening to the voice of God and serving the family as a result of being obedient to God. That's what being a man is all about.
Is that my closing music? I can't believe it. <laughs> we are at the end of our fourth installment of the Dewfall. You know, I am absolutely having a ball bringing this show to you. <laughs> Please, give me a question on AskSanders at HubertSanders.com. I'll say your name, tell the world where you're from, and together, you and I can build up the kingdom. I also want to let you know that I'm teaching. I'm teaching Tuesday nights at a parish in Troy, Michigan, St. Joseph's Chaldean Catholic Church. Come on out on Tuesday nights uh, from 7 to 9, and you and I can grow in our faith. And not only grow in our faith, but take the faith to the world that the Father might be glorified in the Son and in the power and person of the Holy Spirit. You have been listening to The Dewfall, presented by Truth Still Matters. For more information, please contact Hubert Sanders Jr. at hubertsanders.com or truthstillmatters.net. He can also be followed on Twitter at Hubert Sanders. Please help spread the word about this podcast, The Dewfall, by leaving positive reviews in the iTunes store. Peace and blessings.